Welcome to the Grow Tribe. I'm Melissa McGowan and I have been supporting teams and people grow for over two decades. So it might sound like I have it all figured out, but that is far from the truth. In my early 40s, I experienced my great energy crisis. It brought me to my knees. I was living and leading in survival zone, either doing or feeling healthy, but never at the same time. For myself, my family and my career, I realized I needed to make some changes and my biggest learning was to manage my energy. I felt more connected and alive and I became the practicing chief energy officer of my life. And this is where the real growth started. I needed a tribe. I looked up and I realized I was not alone and neither are you. Go to Grow is about connection with real and messy growth. The failing, the learning, the healing, the vulnerability, the bravery and the aliveness not just the glossy outcomes. We'll help you connect the dots between your energy and the impact you desire to have in your life. Our guests help create space for you to grow. They provide insights, inspiration, and information. We'll call them the practicing chief energy officers of their lives too. Go to Grow helps you navigate the rocky road towards greater growth for you. Hey, Grow Tribe, I'm launching a 10-week group coaching program starting in October. It is specifically to help busy women who might be struggling with overwhelm, a lack of time, or patchy energy gain unstoppable mojo momentum. You'll powerfully upgrade your habits, mindsets, and resources with amazing like-hearted women to put you on top of your to-do list, achieve what really matters, and build confidence in work and life. I call that becoming the chief energy officer of your life. Chief energy officer uniquely integrates growth as its mind, action as its energy and connection as its heart. So it doesn't matter where you are on the mojo scale. Now is the time to equip yourself to jive into 2022 with clarity, confidence and connections. And you know what? We have some fun doing it. Now there are limited spots. So go to the link in the show notes to jump on the wait list so you know when the doors open and you can secure a spot and the waitlist bonus offer. Remember, Mojo is a quality that attracts people to you, makes you successful and full of energy. Who doesn't want that? So get your skates on. Now is the time for you and your team to gain true Mojo momentum. Hello, everyone. Today we chat about your money and your growth and your energy and how connected they all are. We are supported today by financial planner and money coach Heidi Rumer. She joins us from Canada. She uh, was in financial services for 17 years. She's now set up her own business. She's a cash flow mama, an insurance specialist and a debt crusher. She's all about helping us be more intentional with how we spend our hard earned dollars, clean up our inefficiencies and really understand how our cash flow works. So we get into that a little bit today. When she said to me, you know, we can ditch the budget, I'm like, we're in. We also talk about habit stacking, starting small and how for high achievers, that is totally counterintuitive, but absolutely powerful and the way to more ease and freedom. So I hope you enjoy this chat with Heidi and I. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. So today we have another little growth opportunity and a challenge. We're going to talk about money. Oh, talking money, money. And 
you know, and growth, of course, because growth is our bottom line here. And I'm always really excited to hear about people who have taken some significant growth steps in 2020. You know, I heard someone say the other day, we haven't been through all of this, not to take the opportunity for some transformation and some change. And I met my guest today, Heidi, at the start of last year. And a little bit like me, she made the brave decision to step away from what she was doing and take a big growth step and start her own business. And she is, and she'll she'll talk to, to us about her growth, but she's also going to support us with her superpowers. She's a financial advisor. She educates um, mostly women, but I think it's relevant for all of us on money mindset. And when she and I spoke and she said, you know what, I encourage people to ditch the budget. I was like, okay, I need to hear more about this. So Heidi, um, I'm really excited to be connecting growth and money today. Welcome to the Grow Tribe. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited for this conversation. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Well, and thank you for um, spending some of your precious energy and time with us at the end of your day in Canada. Um, And I'd just like to start there, actually. How How is your energy this week? How are things in your part of the world? Well, we are still in lockdown here in Canada. Um, Actually, not every area is in lockdown, but our area is. So we are almost on May 20th. It's supposed to end, but they're talking about maybe extending it another few weeks. So my energy up until this week has actually been, this lockdown has been really difficult energy wise. We've got the kids home. I have a four-year-old, a three-year-old running a business. Uh, it's just been a, a time, right? I think a lot of people can can resonate with that. And it's, you know, my energy was pretty low coming into this week. And I don't know, I it's almost like the stars have aligned, but I have just felt, I felt a little, maybe it's the light at the end of the tunnel. I'm not sure, but I felt a little energy boost over the last little bit. And Honestly, it had started with me taking a little bit better care of myself. I kind of let myself start to slide a little bit. And this yesterday, today, I worked out. I journaled in the morning. I took that space for myself before my kids woke up, woke me up. And that was something I was used to doing pre-pandemic, but I've really let that slide. So my energy levels are definitely on the up. So thanks for asking. <laughs> Oh, well done. Yeah. When, when we experience that contrast, which then becomes our norm, doesn't it? I mean, I was just talking to someone else this morning about a ritual that she had that she used to love in the morning, but the pandemic threw that out the window and she's just now picking it back up and realizing like she feels like she's coming home, you know, and I know as well, like when I um, don't do some of those things you just mentioned, I feel myself drifting for sure. But that that is a long lockdown that you have been experiencing there. So, yeah, or any, any little thing to help boost your energy, right? Um, exactly. Which actually connects me to the idea of wins and how important they are right now. You know, whether it's in work teams, in your own business, in your family, with how you're looking after yourself, with some of the outcomes or the achievements in, in your work, just noticing those little wins, I think, really counts for a lot. So what are some wins that you've had or a win that you've had lately, Heidi? 
So my my business, and we'll talk a little bit about this in a little bit, but I, I'm a money coach and financial advisor, as you mentioned, and one of my clients just had a huge breakthrough. And so whenever I am part of that journey, it's just, you know, I really do walk beside my clients. It's not just buy a product and see you later. I, you know, I get to celebrate in those wins and, and I was there from the very beginning. And uh, so she just had a pretty major breakthrough and it's just beautiful to see once it all kind of comes together. And that's probably, you know, uh, aiding in my, in my energy as well. So, yeah, I can relate. That is, that is, that is energizing, isn't it? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And just to kind of round out on this, this personal area of growth that we'd like to dive into pretty quickly in the podcast, when do you feel really alive in your life, Heidi? Mm. You know, I, something that is really important to me is, uh, you know, figuring out what is my core desired feeling and, and making sure that the areas in my life, money, relationships, uh, you know, my energy, my, my kids, that they all are somewhat in alignment with that. And actually one of my core desired feelings is to feel alive. So I, you know, I really have, it's starting to get a lot warmer here in Canada. Uh, so just reconnecting with nature and just having those walks. I started, uh, actually in April, I did a, had a little challenge with one of my mentors and it was really around what's a little tiny micro habit that you can start that is sustainable. It's a no brainer. You can do it for sure every single day that will just be able to set the foundation to habit stack, right? Stacking these little micro habits. And for me, it was a 10 minute walk. I was somebody that tried the 75 hard challenge at the beginning of the year. And I thought, that's not me. Like, it's not me. It was way too hardcore. But I can handle a 10 minute walk because that 10 minute walk inevitably turned into 12 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. And so it just really setting the foundation that I can, I'm committing to 10 and whatever happens, happens. And so um, that has really helped me feel alive and just um, fulfill that core desired feeling. I mean, I, I love it because I just love a theme. You know, I spend time with coaching uh, leaders and individually and uh, sometimes in groups as well uh, in corporate settings. And I can relate, and I'm seeing this a lot, to the fact that we, we're doing the kind of all or nothing and then putting pressure on ourselves to try and start these habits that are difficult to maintain. Like someone just said to me this week, he's like, I'm going to go to the gym and do like, it was like a 5.30am class or something, three mornings this week. And he hasn't exercised for years. And I'm like, really? I just, you know, is that the place? So this stacking habits and making it easy so that we keep coming back and the 10 minute walk just keeps coming up. And I know someone who's doing a massive leadership development um, effort at a big, big company and challenging the culture around how counterculture it is to go out for a 10 minute walk at lunchtime in the afternoon, but then to tune in to the quality of your decision making, your mood, your energy at the end of the day when you do that and just using that 
personal experiment, like throw all the data and everything aside and just use your own personal, personal experiment to just prove out the benefits of that. And, you know, I call it, um, I posted on it yesterday, I call it energy then action. It's like, it's my big learning over the years is, you know, I was go, go, go. And I was like a corporate athlete that wasn't doing the rest and recover. And then when I was exercising, I was doing like really intense exercise, like big long runs or intense exercise, which was depleting me further. You know, when you're looking around and you're seeing people at the gym with like grimaces on their face and it's like, you know what, like, like let's dial that back a little bit and do the 10 minute walk because we can disconnect and we can get benefits from that. And it, we had an episode recently, um, episode 66, and I had, there were four leaders talking about their morning routines and it was just the same thing. 10 minutes, start small and, and get out there for a walk. So I appreciate you bringing that up again. And I think I can challenge all of the Grow Tribe here that if you are at a place on the, what we call the movement dial, where at the moment, even a 10 minute walk is not something you're doing in your day, right? So you're starting at, at, at ground zero, then then that could be dial number one for you is like getting out for that 10 minute walk. And then like Heidi said, once that becomes habitual, and it's so easy, you don't have to kind of think about it, it's coming hardwired in, then you can then you can move up to, you know, two or three and, and make that walk a little longer. So, um, yeah, we're, we're all about energy and growth here and connecting the dots between those two things and how when we do take that time to look after ourselves, not only do we feel better, but actually we perform better as well. And I know for me, it's a continual practice every week to anchor back into that because to decondition and uncondition, if that's a word, the, the doing first, you know, it's going to, it takes a long time, but I, you know, I feel it. And I had a client again, just this week who tried this and she just cannot believe the difference she feels. So it works, people give it a try. It Uh, really does. Especially mm. if you're recovering, you know, we talked about this a little bit before, you know, I came from the corporate world that burnout is so, uh, was so prevalent. It was sales, it was high pressure. And really, if I couldn't do something a thousand percent, I was like, what's the point? What's the point of a 10 minute walk? And it really took me, I had a lot of resistance before I started and I thought, oh, it's not big enough. It's not, you know, it's not, you know, a big enough goal, but it, the sense of accomplishment and how easy it was. And then that ease really validated exactly the reason why I was doing in the first place, which was movement to feel alive, you know, just get a little bit of of a break for myself personally, you know, 10 minutes out of the house with lockdown is, it was pretty amazing. So I, I echo that, you know, if your listeners haven't tried something like that, 10 minute walk is it's, it's pretty glorious. And look, we will move on from the 10 minute walk, but what I just want to say as well is for those who are listening and are like Heidi used to be and myself, it's like, we're, we're in recovery here, right? We probably used to hear this and think, Oh yeah, that's not for me. I'm like going for the one hour thing. Like that, that is, sounds like a bit of, frankly, a bit of bullshit. It's too easy. Oh my gosh. I think about all those years where I was just making things harder for myself, you know, than I needed to. And there is something in this. So yeah, don't have your head down in the sand or on the spreadsheet or the laptop and dismiss habit stacking as 
you know, something that's for, you know, people who aren't high achievers. <laughs> like, yeah, no, really exactly. give it a go. <laughs> and it's actually spilled out into other, I know we're going to talk about other things, but it's, it's spilled into other areas. Now I do a load of laundry, one load of laundry every day instead of letting it, you know, pile up on a Sunday when I'm home and I want to be spending time with my family. I just, you know, do one load every day. It's very manageable. It's easy. Anyways. I think I need to get a tattoo that says a little often equals a lot. Yes. <laughs> because I think it's not something that comes naturally to me. You know, like I have to remind myself and, you know, I'm supporting my clients do the same. But but I'm still, you know, what do they say? Like, you know, teach what you need to learn, right? Like I'm a great totally. example of that. <laughs> yes, so am I. <laughs> So let's talk about um, let's talk about money. Mm. What um, what was it that catalyzed you to start your own business? So I was somebody who was in the corporate world for 18 years, well, 17 years at that point, and had just come back from maternity leave. And here in Canada, we get a year maternity leave. Uh, so I just come back from mat leave and uh, with my second baby, I had two kids under the age of two. It was insane. And I was actually let go from my from my corporate job, a job that I thought I was going to retire in. I gave my I actually returned early from my maternity leave to to just, I don't know, I just had that sense of guilt. I had two back-to-back maternity leaves and I was just feeling really guilty and uh, came back early. And then six months later, I'd lost my job. So, and it was a corporate downsizing, you know, they probably knew when I was coming back. But anyways, I had a decision to make. I either go back into the corporate world. I knew, I knew I would have contacts there. I had you know, spent a lifetime at that point, you know, 17 years of building relationships. I had lots of contacts, but that feeling of, I was devastated. I'll be honest. I was devastated when I lost my job and I loved what I did, was doing. And I thought I could do this for myself. And if I can't, if it doesn't work out, I don't all of a sudden magically lose all of my sales skills from before. So I can always go back. I'm sure I'll find a job. Like, I'm sure I'll be okay. So I kind of did in my head, worst case scenario, I suck at doing it and I'm broken homeless, right? Which would never happen. My family would take me in. So I like really flowed through all the scenarios possible. And it really was uh, a kind of a fire that I had burning for about seven years before I had been let go. And this was really the, the catalyst, although it wasn't my decision to leave and start it. It was kind of like the universe telling me, yeah, but you wanted to do this anyways. So here's just a little, a little push, right? And unfortunately, or fortunately, it's actually worked out pretty well, but I uh, registered my business one week before we declared the pandemic and uh, it actually worked out in my favor because my plan was to go online anyways in a space that typically was not online. So it actually worked out really well for me, but that was kind of the catalyst to uh, have me start my own business. Well, congratulations, because I, I think, you know, I'm loving growth stories and hearing about, you know, females in particular, you know, stepping into their 
entrepreneurial, you know, superpowers. And we, we had a great discussion back in, it was episode 32. Um, Rebecca Thompson shared her journey of a long journey of resilience and entrepreneurship as a female owner of a fashion label. And it was, it was a great discussion. But do you know, Heidi, you are the third person this week who has told me a similar story that, you know, they were in some ways forced because their organisations made decisions um, that impacted their roles. But there was already that fire there, right? So it's almost like that was the thing that, you know, and then there's this contemplation period of like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? And then people have come out. You know, one person said she was jogging and it just hit her, like, that's what I'm going to do. You know, another person was um, sitting in her uh, wardrobe recording her podcast and connecting some dots and she was like, oh, my God, this is what I need to do. And I even think about myself. Like I, you know, I chose to step away from my corporate job and I didn't have exactly the next thing figured out. But if I really go back, you know, I was burning myself out sort of um, physically and emotionally. So whilst I chose to step away in many, in many ways, I didn't really feel like I had a lot of options because I really needed to step into and figure out what I wanted. So whether the organization, I guess that's my point, whether the organization kind of makes that decision for us or whether we're already at a stage of our own growth and things are not perhaps going as well as we would like, regardless, there is that growth opportunity and and it's, and it's uncomfortable that whole process. Um, but you know, here we are, right? Having a go. (laughs) Absolutely. And right at that point where I was at that crossroads is when I hired my first business coach and I spent a lot of money. Right. And so that energetic exchange of, of money, it, it, I literally got off the phone. I gave my credit card. I got off phone. I'm like, what did I just do? And, you know, kind of had the sweaty armpits like, oh my goodness, what, 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 what am I doing? Because it was a large sum of money, especially when there was an income coming in and literally went for a shower to kind of calm myself down. And in the shower, my whole course that I have now, it just, it came to me. It was almost like I needed to just pick a lane. And for me, really, money is about energy. There's a lot, there's a lot there. There's a lot, a lot there. Uh, But money is emotional. And it's, it's definitely an exchange of money. And I think when I took that leap, and I, you know, found somebody that I that I liked that I trusted, and she didn't come up with my business idea. It was in me, but it yeah. just, I think it took that energetic exchange to get it out of me. So yeah. 10 minute walks, showers. Okay. Let's get into this money <laughs> mindset because, awesome. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so interested to hear about that. So what, what is a money mindset? So I think there's two ways you can look at this. There are in this space, I think there's a lot of people who talk about you know, thinking positively about money, thinking negatively about money. If you think money is evil, right? If you grew up with uh, in a situation where money, there was a lack, a lack, uh, um, uh, access to money, then you might have a lack mindset when it comes to money. But when I talk about money mindsets, I'm actually diving into a little bit more of the behavioral science around how we're actually hardwired to think about money. So there are seven different money mindsets that 
it's a, basically a spectrum between if you can think about someone who's a, a spender and someone who's a saver and there's kind of seven different mindsets that are on that continuum and really those mindsets are formed by the age of seven there was a study done in the university of cambridge and they identified actually a lot of things that are formed by the age of seven but particularly our money mindset so how did our parents talk to us about money or not talk to us about money what were our experiences when we went grocery shopping with our moms you know what it was that like were there lots of uh, presents under the Christmas tree were you know you wearing the brand name clothing when you went to school so all of those things really do subconsciously imprint themselves on your brain and when we become managers of our own finances typically we're not taught a lot of how to manage our finances properly we're taught the basics but many of us are not completely uh, fluent in financial literacy. So, you know, there are a lot of different things in there that kind of pop up, you know, you lend your best friend when you're 20, you know, you lend her $500 and you never see that. And then that fractures the relationship or the friendship, right? And, and now that kind of spills over once you get married and all those different things, Um, we tend to compensate or we tend to mirror how, how we grew up around money. So, you know, money is very emotional. Money is very rooted in... Uh, oh my goodness, so many different things. But emotion, I think, is the is the biggest thing. And and when we first connected, and you were you were saying how you just love that I I am a proponent of ditching the budget, and actually that's what my podcast is called, Ditch the Budget, is because most budgets don't work for how we are hardwired to think about money. Budgets are income minus expenses, whatever's left over, if there is anything left over, usually gets spent and usually gets spent unconsciously. Uh, I can't tell you how many clients I've worked with that have gone through and they, they say, yeah, I should have, I should have $500 left over, but I don't. And I don't know where the money is going. And it's just a very different world that we're living in right now, you know, versus when we, a lot of us who are probably listening to this, how we grew up. Right now, if I went grocery shopping and I forgot my wallet, I have my Apple Watch that I can pay for my groceries. I have my smartphone, I can pay for my groceries. I could call my husband on on the phone and he could come with money for me, right? I could zip across the street and just take out money really quickly at the ATM. So there's different... Uh, access to money than we've ever seen before. In the 80s, when I was growing up, if my mom went grocery shopping and she forgot her wallet, she'd be very embarrassed at the cashier and have to put all the groceries away and then, you know, probably return to that same grocery store or maybe even choose a different one because of the embarrassment around that. So it was very, very, very different um, access to our, our finances. So that all plays a role. And when we look at a traditional budget, I'm kind of going all over the place here, but if we look at a traditional budget, income minus expenses, it doesn't account for, you know, somebody knocking on your door and wanting $5 to donate to, you know, this cause. It doesn't account for here we have uh, something called GoFundMe. I don't know if you have that where you are, but GoFundMe accounts, right, where somebody has had a house fire and they they need some funds. So that comes across your, your email and you want it, you feel like you need to contribute to that or 
you have the best of intentions when you go out for dinner to not, you know, to stick to a certain budget and then your friends are ordering the wine and the desserts and and then that your your diet and your budget kind of go out the window. So it, it just speaks to how not only are we contending with how we're hardwired to think about money, but we also have social influences as well that really do play a factor uh, in in our management, day-to-day managing of finances. So So you mentioned the word hardwired. And I'm thinking back at, you know, that age of seven, of course, I'm thinking, oh, what am I teaching my kids? But if we start with ourselves first, right, that's the growth game, you know, um, starts with us, doesn't end with us. But so what are some of those kind of common mindsets that you're seeing and that we might be able to kind of identify with uh, somewhat reluctantly? And can we change them? Can we change it? So great question. Um, so the fir- I'll answer your second question first. No, you can't change it. It's, it is what it is. But what you can do, it's almost like emotional eating, right? So if you're somebody who, when you're feeling stressed or overwhelmed, you reach for the potato chips. That feeling of stress, while there are absolutely ways that you can lower your stress level, you can find other you know ways to lower that, that emotion, that emotion is not going to be eliminated completely. So you really need to find the tools to be able to um, change your behavior, your behavioral response to that emotion. The same is true with finances. So while you naturally might be somebody who spend, wants, spends money, so a spender, that emotion, maybe that happens when you're bored and you're scrolling Facebook and you get hit with advertisements, right? This happens to me quite a bit. So you get, you know, hit with advertisements or you, you know, you had a bad sleep and you wake up in the morning and you think, oh, I need some new pillows and you open up the Amazon app. So, you know, there's those little triggers that can happen, but it's your behavioral response to that that you can change. So things like, I was just telling a client today, delete the Amazon app, right? Delete and put some limits on when you find that you're spending money. If you find that you are somebody that is buying advertisements or, you know, things online, try to limit yourself so that you, you have to go onto a desktop, for example, in order to, to open up your Facebook app or something like that. So you can't change your, your mindset, but you can learn how to change your behavioral response, your natural behavioral response. Uh, I think that one of the most common money mindsets is actually my money mindset, which is very interesting. I don't know if it's because I attract this in my in my marketing and in my messaging, but I am what's called a justifier. So for me, pretty much anything that I get my you know head around, I can justify why I need to buy it. Uh, it can be anything. So you know, if I have an emergency fund and oh, it's you know gr- weekend getaway with the girls, it's like oh, okay, I can dip into that. And because it it'll replenish, I have a very you know I have an abundant mindset when it comes to to money. So yeah, it'll get replenished. But that's earmarked for emergencies. So I shouldn't actually be touching that for a weekend away with the girls. So it's it's really honing in on that natural. Uh, tendency for me to want to justify that purchase. It's learning some tricks and tips that I can real rein myself in and be able to control my behavior a little bit better. And this, there's certain systems that I put in place for my clients to be able to do that. 
So that's a real common one. Another one that I guess I'll touch on is one that's called the brick wall. So that's somebody that really needs to uh, research research, research every single purchase. So if they were buying a new car, they would probably know more about that car than the salesperson. Um, but once they make their decision, they are, they just are really steadfast with that. Brick walls can sometimes be very controlling when it comes to finances. So it's a very masculine energy. Doesn't mean that only men are brick walls, but it just overwhelmingly when I'm working with couples, I find that one is either a justifier and, and the opposite, opposites attract, uh, you know, is a is a brick wall. I see that a lot. Um, so they, they just want to be in control of the finances, not from a malicious standpoint, but that's how their brain is keeping them safe around how they're thinking about money is they need to see where it's going. And when they do spend it, they need to be very confident that they're spending it in something that is tangible. They can see. Usually we see brick walls um, invest in real estate and really tangible items. Uh, and they tend to be very, very good savers. So those are two really common ones that I that I come across, especially if I'm working with a husband and wife um, combo. Uh, but a lot of women out there were, were justifiers. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm ticking the justifier boxes. Tick, tick, tick. <laughs> we make really good shopping buddies, though, so that's good. <laughs> and so why is it important then for us to, because I'm guessing it's important for us to be a bit more conscious of, what our mindset is and how that influences our our decisions and and maybe even some areas where we are a bit avoidant or resistant and I guess this connects into you know if not the budget then what yeah and I feel like for a lot of people especially if you've had a budget in the past and you weren't able to stick to it there's this feeling of shame there's this feeling of uh, you know I'm not good enough uh, I, I suck at this you know for for many years for me personally although I do I have worked in finance for almost two decades I'm actually not great at math and for a long time that was very difficult for me to admit because how could I not be good at math and you know I have the world's largest calculator sitting right on my desk because um, my kids have stolen all my other ones but uh, you know I feel like we tell ourselves these stories well I'm not good at math so that's why I'm not good at managing my finances or you know I wasn't taught this or you know I didn't grow up with much so of course you know I don't have much either so we tell ourselves these stories and once you really peel back those layers and understand that most budgets are are too restrictive, right? Even just saying the word budget, most people are like, oh, see away, like I don't want it. It's like a diet, right? It's, it's kind of loaded, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it brings up a lot for people. And so, you know, really steering them away from having the logical budget, because again, money is so emotional that you, you can apply some logic. We obviously, we need to know how much money you make and what your expenses are, but there needs to be a little bit of a cushion built in. And for a lot of us, we don't build that in because we, A, haven't identified really what our financial goals are truly other than, oh yeah, I want to retire at this age or yeah, I want, you know, we want to go on a yearly vacation. 
But it's much more than that. You know, are you somebody that is naturally, there's one of the money mindsets that's naturally very generous and they go all out, go all out for birthdays. And, you know, even if they're paycheck to paycheck, they'll still find a way to buy you an epic gift. And so it's really learning how, how can you satisfy that innate Uh, way that you're wired to think about money, but still be able to reach your financial goals. So that's really an area that we focus in on and we really hone in those skills to be able to help you achieve that. You know, one of my taglines is there's more to life than paying, counting calories and paying bills. And I think it's so true. Oftentimes we're just so focused in on these really, really long-term goals and we can't even, you know, there's studies actually out there that that have shown that managing our finances, even month to month, our brain cannot manage. Our brain has to actually manage money weekly at the at the max. And so we're we don't think that way. We think about how much money we make in a month, how how we pay our bills monthly. Uh, so you know that same person who let's say has a thousand dollars a month for groceries. If you give them a thousand dollars on May 1st, typically that money is gone by May 18th. It usually only lasts 18 days. But if I gave that same person in a four week month, $250 a week, that $250 would actually last the full week. It's just fascinating. It's just, it's, it's human behavior. It's, um, it's that feeling of, oh, next week that money's going to get replenished. Okay. Like it's, it's not going to run out. Whereas a month, you know, there's only 12 months in a year. It just, it's too far for our brains to, to really handle money. And we're not taught this. And actually a lot of even financial planners don't really dive into the cash flow um, aspect. And that's really where when you asked, you know, if not a budget, then what? It's, it's something that I call a cash flow plan, because really, it, it is all about cash flow. How many avail- available dollars do you have? And are you spending in alignment with your financial goals? Gosh, you're almost taking us back to the um, where we started around the habit stacking, isn't it? Because the weekly analogy, like when we're thinking about how we are managing our capacity each week and what we're looking to achieve. It kind of makes sense as you say that, that that would also carry through to our financial management. But I think we sort of put pressure on ourselves similarly with, Oh, have we got the kind of five-year plan and the three-year goals and the, you know, I mean, I'm a big fan of 90 day goals, but um, yeah, that's really interesting. And it's making me wonder now when people come to work with you, do you find that it's because they're at crisis point? Like what is it that's going on for people or could be going on for people as they're listening now, hopefully not always reactively, but even proactively that might spark something in them to get into this in a little bit more detail for themselves and do some growth and development in this area. So what I find happens a lot is when clients come to me, it's typically, you know, they are a little bit in crisis in the sense of, you know, they know that they just feel like, especially majority of my clients start out as, as women, right? So I usually work with, uh, with, with, if it's a couple situation and a husband and wife scenario, I'm usually starting to work with the wife first. And usually they are in a period where um, 
they just feel like they should be further ahead than where they are. And so typically that is a catalyst that really gets their brain going like, man, I'm 40 or I'm 45. And, you know, retirement does seem a little bit closer, but I don't have the funds saved yet. And I'm, you know, I still, we're refinancing our mortgage yet again. And the debt is kind of piling up and it, and it's not that it's the debt isn't manageable. It's that they're not reducing the debt year over year. And when my clients come to me, usually I'm working with a 35 to 45 age range. That tends to be a typical client of mine. They are in the midst of their careers and oftentimes they're telling me, I'm making more money, but I don't have more money. What is going on? And so really we have to kind of peel back the layers to figure out it's not how much money you make, it's how you're spending that money. And unless you've done that work to do two things. So the first thing is defining those financial goals. What is it that you actually want? And that could be as you know grand as what retirement looks like, but I even think on a much smaller scale. So would having somebody come in and clean your house once a week, would that help your life? Would, you know, paying, hiring out some babysitting or would hiring out food preparation, would that be helpful for you and help you in your business if you're a business owner, if you're an, if you're an employee, you know, help you in your career? So it's really taking those little steps and building in those small financial goals that I think often get missed. And it's like, yeah, if I have the extra money, I'll go for a massage. It's like, no, let's build this. Yeah, it's in making me think of important. like the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The lifestyle factors that I know are really important like to us. And then, yeah, but sometimes as a couple, it's figuring out where they fit in the, in the priority, but certainly that becomes part of the why for many of us, doesn't it? Is, is that the, the financial freedom represents what we might want to do in our in our lifestyle. And it's really giving people permission that even if you have debt, it's okay if you want to have somebody clean your house. Yes, you can do it yourself, but I think at some point we have to, especially as women, drop that superwoman cape and and realize that it's okay to spend money. It's okay to spend money on ourselves in a way that's going to have us reach our goals. So a lot of what I do is not that they need permission to spend money, but when you come and work with me and I'm telling you it's okay to go get a weekly massage and they're like, it is? Yes, you'll still get out of debt and you'll still reach your goals. It's okay. I think there's a sense of relief there that, you know, wow, I didn't realize that that was possible. I thought every extra dollar needed to go to servicing my debt. And then what kind of life is that, right? You're, you know, you're probably using language like we can't afford that with your kids. And then that's forming their money mindset. And it's just like, it's a, it's kind of this cycle that is very, very uh, impactful. And you might not even realize that you're doing it. So. Jay, what is such a great growth analogy, because what strikes me as you're saying that is it's real, you know, and it's, and it's messy. It's just like life. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we do want to have, we do want those cleaners and but it is but it's growthful and the the more traditional like when you say budget it just instantly conjures up you know like spreadsheets and systems and you know uh i guess those those more linear cerebral ways and and not to th- say that we you know we're throwing all of that in the bin because i think there's obviously part of it but 
you are expanding our understanding. And I think in doing that, reduce some of the fears and the barriers about when people think about financial advisors or financial planners, you know, who comes to mind may not be someone like you yet. Hopefully today people yeah. are hearing this and thinking, ah, oh, okay, this is an interesting and different way. And you know, what, what, what is my mindset and where's my partner sit in this and what might be uh, some conversations and some goals that we could look at and uh, just challenge a little bit the status quo and how we are managing our finances. Absolutely. I think it's a piece that is so lacking and I've actually tried to, uh, if I only had more hours in the day, I feel like, but, you know, tried to put a, a, a course together for a school system to help, you know, teach teach our youth about money in a way that's not income minus expenses with spreadsheets and envelopes and, you know, jars and things like that. It's, it's more around spending your money on things that are in alignment with how you want to feel and how, where you want to go. And I kind of look at it like, to me, a budget is a linear, if if a budget was a road map, it would just be point A, point B. And what I really try to do is create a plan that allows you to, you know, stop at Disneyland for a day, allows you to come back to the road, the main road, and you continue on. And then, oh, you got a flat tire? That's okay. We have, we have insulated the plan for that instead of being so rigid and focused that there's only one way to get there. There's a million different ways to get there and life is messy. And You know, there are things that are going to happen. There's flat tires, there's leaky roofs, there's sick children. And so it's it's putting together a plan that, of course, we can't account for every single thing that's going to happen, but we can get pretty, pretty close, which is pretty amazing and still have fun and reach our goals. So I think that's. That's the main, my main purpose. Um, with and hopefully, like you know, um, continue to support and invest our own growth. You know, in the mix there as well. I was going to ask you, and maybe it's just a final question. Is just like one thing that um, the parents listening might think about with regards to their kids, and mm-hmm. you know what we're what we're passing on here. Absolutely. I think I think it's really looking at your finances when you're talking about money in front of your children. It's more of a how can I instead of we can't afford it. So for example, a real common one, you know, my my oldest is only four. So we're just starting to get into this phase, but he'll ask me for something. You know, we're at the store and he'll He'll point out something and he'll ask for it. And instead of me saying, no, we can't afford that, it's the language becomes, oh, is that something that you would like me to add onto your birthday list or your Christmas list or your Easter list or whatever, whatever's coming up, right? Um, You know, or is that something that you want to save for if we do a lemonade stand or something like that? So it's, you know, I'm, I've always been entrepreneurial in that sense. So um, for me, that comes quite naturally, but I think it's just framing our, our lang- being very mindful of the language that we're using around our kids. And really, I wouldn't necessarily talk to your children about all the mountains of debt that you're under, but I also feel like there should be some open dialogue around finances. And it doesn't need to be how much money mommy and daddy make or how much debt you're in, but it need they need to understand that 
um, money, while I believe it's abundant, it also, you know, it, there's money that flows into your account, there's money that comes out. We always have to make sure that there's enough money in the account for when it goes out. So I feel like it's just even that language is just a little bit different than, you know, mummy makes this and we can't afford this and, you know, we have to be really stringent around it. It's really fostering that curiosity around how can I versus, oh, we can't, you know? And so doing that with my children, at least, um, I've really seen even in the last six months, when going out to the store, although we haven't been doing it very often, uh, you know, something will come up on the TV even as a commercial and he'll say, oh, I want that. And it's, oh, do you want to add that to your birthday list? He'll actually say to me, mommy, I don't want to add this to my birthday list. I want it now. So he's even, he's even like understanding, right? We're not quite there yet. So he's four, but um, you know, he's even understanding that him asking that question that's going to be my response. So I think that's really interesting. Uh -huh. Awesome. What a great place to finish. How can we? So Heidi, thank you so much. Um, I'm going to link your sites and, um, and your program as well. Cause I'm, I'm, th I'm guessing people are going to be interested in learning more about these money mindsets and some of the, the great concepts, cash flow, for example, that you discussed today. So I really appreciate you just sparking some thinking in us on a topic that perhaps some of us haven't really kind of thought about in this way or in, in this depth for a while. So really appreciate that. Um, I hope everyone got something out of this and Heidi, thanks for being here on the Grow Tribe and I wish everyone a great week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for being here and being part of the Grow Tribe. It would be amazing if you shared this podcast with others at home, at work, gave it a rate and review in Apple Podcasts and shared any ideas about what you want to hear more about or who you want to hear from. I love to hear your updates. If you're interested in learning about how to become a Chief Energy Officer, you're looking to fuel your impact in, and your performance, could be you, could be your team, have a look at the link in the show notes about where to start and as always, drop me an email if you're looking for any support or you've got any insights that you want to share on growth. It's Melissa, M-E-L-I-S-S-A at go to grow.com.au. Thanks, everyone.